Bibles will be in the book of Matthew uh, this morning, uh, but uh, we've we've been focusing on the family, and we'll be in Matthew chapter 22, and uh, we've been focusing on what it means to be in the family of God, and it's something that I believe that we overlook a lot of times, we don't focus on a lot of times in our daily walk, but we are in the family of God. And we've had uh, different examples in Scripture. We are the sons of God. We are the, the prodigal. We are thought of so much, uh, no matter what we do, no matter what we say. Uh, uh, today, we're going to look at uh, the role of the church. That's me and you, hopefully, the, the role of the, the people as the, the bride of Christ. It's very interesting to look at the Word of God and realize how many different scenarios when you think of a family and what makes a family up and how many things that God's people are called uh, throughout the Word of God. And uh, I thought it was very interesting thinking of uh, being the bride. And being the bride isn't some sort of new thing that came up in the New Testament, being the bridegroom and stuff like that. But we can back up to the Old Testament, and Israel is referred to the bride of God multiple times throughout the Old Testament. So it's, it's not nothing new. The, in the New Testament, the, the, the children of God are not spoken of as a, as a wife, but as the bride of Christ. So uh, they are betrothed, they're engaged, and, and they're being made ready for a wedding day. That's, that's sort of the, the, the illustration that we see throughout the New Testament is getting ready for the wedding. And uh, we really have to think about that as God's children of, as what goes on with the wedding. But we want to look at Matthew uh, chapter 22, verses 1 through 4. And if you would, please stand uh, this morning to pay reverence to the reading of the Word of God, if you can. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 4. Uh, and the Word of God says this, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven... As like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them which were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us uh, to come together here this morning. We thank you for the scripture that you've impressed upon our hearts this week. Lord, I just pray that we'll, we'll preach it in a way that's pleasing unto you. Lord, we'll help, help us to understand it, help us to apply it. Lord, I pray that we'll uh, grow close to you. Lord, I, I pray that you hide us behind the cross. Lord, we know that we're a, a sinful, useless being, Lord, but with, with you, Lord, through, our, through the appointed spirit, Lord, that we can be what we need to be this morning. We thank you for this, the ones that are assembled here together, Lord. We pray that special prayer with the ones that couldn't be here for whatever reason it is, Lord. We, we pray to watch over them, lead God, and direct them and us this morning. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You, uh, you can be seated now. It's, uh, as it is with everything in life, uh, everything in worship, uh, everything in our relationship to God points to a single event throughout through the beginning of Genesis chapter 1 to the very ending of Revelation, it points ideally to one event that's going to happen one day, and that is the, the marriage supper. Uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb is what everything's pointing towards. Uh, uh, if we look even in the book of Revelation, and I'll use the scripture from Revelation 19, which is close to the end there, 19, 7 through 9, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. They, they've been looking the whole time that we're reading this Bible. We get to the very end here. We have been looking for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife have made herself ready. 
And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And verse 9, And he saith unto them, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. In verse 7 of the book of Revelation chapter 19, it tells us that all the people in heaven are waiting for one event. They're waiting for one thing to happen, and that is the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're waiting for the very end of time that in heaven this, this, this is incredible expectation. They're, they are waiting right now for the marriage supper of the Lamb. They are waiting for God's children to go home. They are waiting uh, uh, for the saved to assemble in heaven. And the passage says His bride has made herself ready at the very end of time here waiting for the marriage supper they are said the bride is now ready now church I don't know if y'all realize this but the bride is us we are the bride we are what's being prepared we are what's uh, uh, being made ready now if you think about a, a wedding in, in so many ways the bride uh, especially in eastern culture and, and western culture by far is, is set up to be this special thing but why would be, we be invited to our own wedding feast because we are invited, and that makes us part of the bride, to be, to be part of this wedding, to be a part of this. And it means that the bride, that's, that's, that's us, and we know that. And we use this picture of a bride and a bridegroom, and I think it's very easy, and it's very awesome, but it's also kind of confusing to think of a wedding, a marriage supper. Now, it's easy for, for men to understand what the bridegroom goes through on his wedding day. It's easy... Uh, for maybe uh, the, the ladies to understand what the bride goes through on a wedding day. Uh, but we have to think of this picture as a, as a complete picture of what's going on. Uh, this picture, this parable, this analogy, this communication that we're trying to get here just shows to us just how passionate God is to be united with us, to be with us. Uh, this picture here communicates that God longs for us uh, and he, he cherishes His bride to come and to be with Him. In Isaiah 62, 5, it says this, it says, And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. God rejoices over us. We need to understand, uh, we know that we are the Son of God, we know that we are that prodigal son, that no matter what we do, we're always the children of God and He's so happy when we come back to the fold, but we also have to understand that God desires us. He wants us. He loves us. We talked about it in our Sunday school lesson. Uh, I had to sit back there and just kind of hold it into myself when we start talking about His love for us and that, that setup that He has. He set that up for us because He loves us so much. It isn't that He doesn't love us. I think of, of my wedding day. And my wife's here, and it's fine. And if you've been married, you might be able to understand this. But when it was my wedding day, I had certain things going on. And it was, it was sort of hectic that morning to get everything ready. I remember my wedding day like it was yesterday. I do. And I remember all the things. I was trying to get my truck washed, and it took two or three hours to get that thing washed. I didn't know if I was going to get it down on time for pictures or this or that. We're trying to get everything ready. And we, I hung out with a friend of mine, and, and he's captain late, okay? He's, he is late for everything. And I, I started hanging out with him. I said, man, we're going to be late to my, to my wedding. And we finally get everything ready, and we got there, and it was everything was going okay, you know, but we worried about certain things, saying certain things, and I've watched my wedding enough to know that I messed up on my vows, and if you were there, you know that I said the wrong thing at a certain time. But at my wedding, I remember one specific thing. I remember looking down the aisle and seeing my wife walking down an aisle. I say I remember 
She was more beautiful than anything I'd ever seen before in my life. And I remember that, that image. And as she's walking down the aisle, I want you to know there's only one thing. I, she's probably thinking I'm trying to get some points here. <coughs> but there's only one thing on my mind on my wedding day, the time that my bridegroom came down the aisle. And that was my wife. That was my future. That was everything that I had ever dreamed of. Everything that I had ever pursued, it all came to fruition. When she walked down that aisle, she was becoming mine. There was nothing in this life that I can think of. Yes, I was saved by God's grace, and I, I remember being saved today, but that visual image of her coming and, and being a part of me, and I, I remember, <laughs> I would like to think that as she was walking down the aisle, she was thinking of, of, her, of her groom, she, the man she was going to marry, and the, the one that she was going to unite with. And we'd have to think about this <coughs> from God's perspective. And my perspective as a husband, seeing my wife come, that marriage, that union, that is something that I was looking to for quite some time. And if you have been married or you've been to a wedding, <coughs> you can think of the special setup, the desire to unite with my wife. I want you to realize something. That's God's desire for us. God desires, He longs for us, He wants us, he, he loves us unconditionally. He sees us as something that is pure. When she came down that aisle, she was dressed in that, <coughs> in that white wedding dress and the perfection that I saw as a husband. That's what God sees when He sees us. He sees our perfection. He sees His setup. He sees His love that He has. <coughs> Excuse me, I keep coughing a little bit. <coughs> I'm going to get some of this water. But as we walked down that aisle, my eyes might have been fixed on her, and you might have been fixed on who you was going to marry the day you got married. No one can compete with that attention. No one can fulfill your dreams better. This, this picture of Christ, the bridegroom and the church's bride, folks, Jesus is going to be returning one day. I don't know if y'all realize that, but Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to come and split the eastern sky. Jesus is going to have some trumpets blown. He's going to come down and take his children home. Jesus is coming, and the bridal analogy here is the last analogy that Jesus emphasized at his, at his coming. <coughs> the Spirit and the bride say this in Revelation twenty two seventeen, right there close to the end. We got pretty close, but right here at the end, the Spirit says, come. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to be with him. If there's anything else that we need to realize that God desires is He desires us. He loves us. No matter what your life's been, no matter what you've done, He loves us. <coughs> we read last week, and I'll get this tickle out of my throat in a minute. We read last week that the eldest son here worked and he obeyed and he was a sort of enslaved. He had, he had tried to win over his dad with favor, but we had to realize that he had already had it to begin with. He already was, was, it was already his son. He didn't have to earn a sonship. <laughs> we, have to, we have to, as God's people, we have to realize that we have to change our view of God. We do. He's not some uh, big white glowing spirit on a mountainside that we, we distantly know. <laughs> we, don't, we, we, we don't have to have that thought of him. We don't have to say that he is, uh, he is the healer. He comes in and he heals people. That's who he is. No, that's, that's not really who God is. God's a, a redeemer. Yeah, God's a redeemer. No, God is the groom and we are the bridegroom. We desire him and he desires us. If we change our whole outlook on instead of thinking that we have to do something <coughs> to attain God's love, that God just loves us infinitely. 
He loves us. No matter what you did yesterday or what you said this morning or how you prayed and you didn't pray or how you studied or didn't study or how you love or how you don't love, we have to know that God loves us. On, on the day of my wedding and on the day of, of, of this bridegroom and this ultimate wedding, God is looking forward to that. He is because He desires us. We, we pray and we live differently when we know that God's heart is, is a passionate love and affection instead of a God of anger, instead of a God of punishment, instead of a God that's going to destroy you if you don't do something right. That's not the God that we serve. <laughs> you can say, well, God doesn't change, and in the Old Testament, He destroyed. A God in the New Testament, Jesus Christ came, and He established love as being the primary root of what He is. He loves us. The motivation of the bride is the love of the bridegroom, praise the Lord. We have a motivation to love. I think about a slave being forced to slave, and I think about people at work or different places. The people that are there only for a paycheck will not work and exceed what you expect them to do. But the ones that are there that love their job and love what they do, they will exceed anything that they have to do. It's the same way with love. If you have to pay somebody to be there to love you, they are not going to love you. But if they just love you because they love you, (laughs) just out of desire, uh, just out of being there, I I want you to realize just how much God loves us because He desires us. And if we can have that same desire (coughs) back to Him, Imagine how much better it is to serve Him. I'll give an example. I was reading this week of a story of a man that went to town, and he was a very wealthy businessman. And this very wealthy businessman was looking for a wife. And in this community, this is an Eastern culture community, any time that a man wanted to be married, he went into town, and he announced that he was going to be picking brides uh, the next week. And the families would get together and they would get their, their, their daughters ready and they would bring them in, best dressed. And uh, There was a particular lady there in the town that uh, she wasn't the most attractive, she wasn't the most beautiful, uh, she was kind of uh, ashamed, uh, she'd hold her head down, she wasn't uh, a real, uh, real popular and things like that. But uh, the businessman announced that he would do that and this lady uh, came forward with uh, many other ladies, came into town and it was common uh, that he would pick one of the ladies. And he would pick one of the ladies... And she would uh, come in for about a week, and she would keep house, she would cook, she would clean. She would sort of audition in so many ways to be her husband. And at the end of that week, he decided if he wanted to marry her or not. He said, well, uh, he picked this lady that wasn't attractive, wasn't beautiful. I I won't place a name on her, but he brought her in, had her for a week, and he said, "I I would like to marry this woman. And it was customary that they would give animals, farm animals, to purchase (coughs) the wife with 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 the dad. And it was common, you know, three or four cows. That was a pretty big deal. Three or four cows, pretty big deal. You give one cow, you know, if you wasn't, eh, I'll take her. <laughs> and he was a very powerful businessman. He knew how to haggle, so many people looked at that and said, yeah, he'll give one, two cows for her. She's not the greatest in the world. But it was time to decide. He decided, I want to marry this woman. And you know what he did? He brought ten cows. He brought ten cows in. Everybody looked at him and said, he doesn't know what he's doing. How can He's supposed to be the greatest businessman in the world. He's got all this money, and he's picked her out of all these other ladies to bring in. He's picked her, and he's gave five times, ten times the amount that he should have given. And he gives these ten cows, and they disappear for a year. They go on a honeymoon for a long time. And they come back into town, and he brings his wife. And they see the wife, and they say, now, He must have got married to somebody else while he's been gone. This lady's beautiful. This is one of the most attractive women in town. 
And then they finally start to look, and the daddy of the, of the, of the bride realizes, that's my daughter. And all the other towns say, well, I don't know what happened. Uh, and we have to understand that when the man went in and he picked up his wife, he realized that on the other side of the scale, he has to also show value to his wife. He has to build up his wife. He has to show value of his wife. He thought of more of his wife than he did anybody else in that time. He gave ten times the amount that he would give for anybody else in the place. didn't matter what she looked like, what she done, how she acted, how she behaved. At that point, he had to build up his wife to become the woman she is today. And now I'm not trying to apply it to y'all and place a certain value on y'all to y'all go home and and do certain things. (laughs) But we have to realize that we have a value placed on us by Jesus Christ dying for us. He put a huge value to give His life on a cross for me. He did. I may not think that I'm worth anything, but He placed a big payment on the cross at Calvary to make me valuable. If you don't think you're worth anything, you're worth more than anything in this world because Jesus paid the price. God sent His Son to die for us, a perfect sacrifice, a payment that cannot be matched. Uh, This lady might have had ten cows to give for her, and she was the talk of the town, buddy. Uh, When she came back in looking like she looked, everybody looked at her like she was uh, something important. She had something to brag about. Hey, my husband gave ten cows for me. I want you to realize your Savior gave His only begotten Son for you. You have a payment that cannot be matched and it was way more than you was ever worth you'll never be able to live up to the payment that God has given for you you are valuable you are important and I want you to realize as God's people today if we'll realize that we are important that we are valuable that we mean more to God than we mean to anybody else you will live a different life you will You'll live a different life if you stop worrying about what somebody thinks about you and worry about what God thinks about you. He's the one that's paid the price. He's the one that loves you beyond all things that you could ever think of. He's the one that's paid the payment for your soul to make it to heaven. He's the one that's gave you an out that all you have to do is cry to Him and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I love you and you'll be saved. Uh, Praise God today. That's all we've got to do as God's children is love Him. If we realize just how much He loves us and how little we give Him back, how much we worry about ourselves, He's the one that we've got to make happy. We don't have to be enslaved. He loves us. I don't have to do it because I feel like I'm guilty. No, I do it because I love Him. Because He loves me. I don't have to go to an awful place called hell because He paid the payment for me. I don't have to go uh, 8 to 5 Monday through Friday because I have to pay a mortgage. I have to go all the time because He blessed me. He loves me. He's given me all the things in this world. That's how good God is. Can we move everything out of the way for the next week, for the next month, and think about, I'm God's child. I'm the bridegroom. There's nobody more important in God's life than me. How could we love our lives this week? God picked me. God picked me. That's how much He loved me. I am going to be united with Christ one day. And there's going to be a marriage supper. I'm going to be more important than so many people in this world that's left behind. I'm, I'm somebody. I'm not trying to tell you to boast yourself up and think you're important. That's the opposite of the message. The opposite of the message is, the message is to think of yourself as worthy. God desires you. He overpaid for you. He brought you out of bondage because He loved you. 
my goodness today, if we don't realize just how much God loves us, how much He cares for us, how much He desires us. I think of my life and I think, what's desirable about me? What's desirable about Zach? A nasty, good-for-nothing, cussing, teenager, good-for-nothing, stealing, thieving, lying. I think of my life, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But He's worthy. I want you to realize what's made me white as snow. The linen that's on this, on this bridegroom is the sin debt that He paid. The blood that was shed at the cross of Calvary is what's made my robe white. What's made my linen perfect. When I'm coming down the aisle, so to speak, to, to Jesus Christ, to God, to show Him who I am, He's the one that's made me whole. He's the one that's washed me and made me solid. He is the one that's made me good enough. Praise the Lord today. We are blessed because of what God has done for us. The image of the bride of Christ, we will become the most beautiful bride in the world because of what God's done for us. I hope that you realize that God desires you. I hope that you do. If you don't think that anybody desires you, you're wrong because God loves you. We're in this world and God loves us. It's good to know that. As they get a verse of some song ready uh, this morning, I want, to, want us to think just for a moment just about how much God desires us, how much God loves us. And I want you to realize also that if there's anything in this world that we could get out of the message this morning is that God loves you enough that He sent His Son to die for you. He gave a ransom. He paid the price. And praise the Lord, we didn't deserve it. And you should feel valuable. You should. There's a certain value. I believe as I was speaking about my wife on our wedding day, I seen her sort of light up and glow a little bit. She said, aw, he remembered. God remembers you too. God loves you. God's looking down from heaven. He's seeing a born-again follower of Him. He's looking down and He's saying, this is, my, this is my bridegroom. This is my bride that's coming back. And I'm the groom. I, I'm looking forward to one day uniting. I'm, I'm desiring to be with Him. God desires you. He desires that relationship with you this morning. As we stand, what page again? 177. Page 177.